Good morning, everybody. Good to have you all here today as we go continue through our series in Ruth. And um, let's begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and thank you that you give us many books with many different authors to show us how you work in history and redemptive history to redeem people to yourself. And we pray that you would teach us by your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so today we're headed to chapter 2. So if you'd like to open up to chapter 2, we're going to read from 1 to 18. <clears throat> now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come, up to, uh, come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, Yahweh be with you. And they answered, Yahweh bless you. And then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? <clears throat> and the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is a young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what, drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Yahweh repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, her, Come here and eat some bread and dip some, your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also, pull out some from the bundles for her and give it to her. Uh, give it for her. Sorry. Pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. <clears throat> so she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. So as we come to this section in Ruth, 
it seems like things start to stretch out and slow down. The first chapter of Ruth happened in a flash. Ten, ten or more years just passed by in a flash. A family leaves Israel. Elimelech takes his family to Moab. They, they, for food, they have the tragic events of Elimelech dying and then the sons marry Moabite wives and live for ten years before they also die. And then Elimelech, uh, Naomi hears that the Lord has visited his people and given them food, so she travels back. But she travels back with minus one daughter-in-law who she sent back to find her fortune in the land of Moab. where, But she comes plus another daughter-in-law, Ruth, who clings to her, even in her emptiness and barrenness and uh, the hopeless situation she might find herself in, in order to make Naomi's people her people and Naomi's God her God. <clears throat> and they come to Bethlehem, and the town is abuzz, and it's the beginning of the barley harvest in chapter 1. Then in here in chapter 2, things slow down, and we, we're in a field for a day. So as Ruth goes to glean here in the first part of the, the book up to verse 8, <clears throat> there's, there's this tension as she comes into this field to glean, hoping to find favor, uh, the favor of someone who had allowed her to gleam. And you see this great man, Boaz, a mighty man of wealth or strength in Bethlehem, coming to his field. And he talks to his reaper and says, whose young woman is that? It's the, the Moabite, the reaper, the head reaper says, the Moabitess that came from the country of Moab with, with, with Naomi. And, and we see then Boaz saying to Ruth, and we wonder, what will Boaz say to Ruth? Boaz, this mighty man of Israel, this righteous man of Israel, to a Moabite woman who's come to glean in his field. <clears throat> will he allow her to continue to glean? Will he not? And what we will see as we go through this is that God, through Boaz, is going to show kindness to Ruth in order to demonstrate that the humble find favor in his sight. <clears throat> We see the kindness of God being lavished upon Ruth by the godly Boaz. So as we look at this, let's consider Ruth's humility first, and then we'll go to Boaz's keeping the spirit of the law as he reflects his God. And then we'll go to how Boaz blesses Ruth and um, gives her an abundance of blessing. So our first point is how Ruth humbly depends upon God. First of all, as you read this, uh, can you see any indications? Does anybody want to point out anything in here that might indicate to you Ruth's, whether or not she's a humble woman? First of all, she's gone out to the field doing menial work. She's gone to do hard labor. So when Boaz shows her grace in verse 10 and she falls to her face. Yeah, those are both good. Thank you. <clears throat> Do you see anything else in how Ruth speaks, perhaps? Charlie? Yep. Yes. Then if you look here at how she 
with she's with Naomi and she says, "Please, may I go out to glean?" Her um, permission, her request is is respect. It's showing uh, Naomi, in other words, that she's in solidarity with her as she suffers in her widowhood. She doesn't go out to seek her own fortune. She's doing so on this for the sake of Naomi. And we see that later as she gleans in the fields all day and brings back to Naomi what she's gleaned. And then she continues gleaning all the way through to the end of the barley and wheat harvests in, at the end of the chapter. But we also see her motives. But we also see her submitting to authority mm-hmm. to, to her mother-in-law and asking her permission to go. Yeah, submitting to her mother-in-law's authority. Yeah. And what about her motives? Touched on this already, I think. Her motives were selfish motives, perhaps? No. How do we see what her motive was? Do we see it anywhere here? Consider Ruth's status. Moabite woman. She goes out to seek favor. Is that a safe endeavor for a Moabite woman? Yeah, maybe not so much in Israel. It depends. But yeah, it's not a safe thing, but why does she do it? They're hungry, yeah. She's working to provide for her own household. What about how she addresses the head reaper? So the head reaper is telling Boaz how she respond, how she addressed him and what she's done. And it looks like she made an impression on the head reaper, a good impression. Uh, but, but she said to him, please let me glean. She didn't just go out and glean. The law in Israel said, leave gleanings for the sojourner, for the widow. She doesn't presume upon anyone's kindness. She doesn't, uh, she lays herself at the mercy of the owner of the field, of the head reaper. So her her, um, attitude is humble, but also her actions demonstrate her faith. So we talked about her as a faithful daughter to Naomi, um, going out and providing for her household. What about the idea of finding favor and her setting out? What is she doing when she sets out? Whose trust is she placing herself, uh, or who is she trusting in as she goes out? And, and why would we say the Lord? Yeah, she places herself in his care. Yeah, she and she has expressed faith in Yahweh. And so she goes out trusting Yahweh to provide for them. So as a person with a humble attitude and, and faithful activity, what, what, uh, what we see here, it's interesting in the text, it's, it says, um, that she, 
Let's see, in verse um, 3, when she arrived at the field, it, it basically says, and she happened by chance. It's like the author is telling us it didn't happen by chance at all. Can somebody notice two things at the beginning here that might tell you the author is not is obviously not intending to say it happened by chance related to Boaz and how Boaz is mentioned. If you look at verse one and then verse three. She just happens by chance to end up in the field of Boaz, who's a clansman of Elimelech. Wow, just by chance. And so we see the author is tongue-in-cheek saying that, indicating the, yeah, just just by chance she happened upon the field. But we see the hand of Yahweh behind this, providentially support, or supporting her actions. We also see uh, Boaz greets his... Um, People. Now, if she had come to anyone's field but Boaz's, let's say, let's say it wasn't a relative or a clansman of Elimelech on the one hand, what if he wasn't a godly man on the other hand? We could have just ended the story here. I, I'd think there's no reason to go further. But he's both a godly man and a clansman, and we see his godliness right at the beginning as he calls out to his reapers, Yahweh be with you, and then they respond, Yahweh bless you. This is a pattern that Boaz has set as they, as they talk to one another in that way. And so as we go from Ruth's humility, we go to look at how Boaz reflects Yahweh as he keeps the spirit of the law, not just the letter of the law. So does anyone have an example of keeping the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law? So it would be not just doing what the law says, but going above and beyond what the law says. I had an example that I thought you might enjoy that comes from real life, but I won't say from who. Or, uh, But it has to do with Hot Wheel cars, a box of Hot Wheel cars. <clears throat> and say uh, your son is playing with them, and his little sister wants to play. So what does the mother say? Can you share with your little sister? So what's he do? He takes out the worst car and gives her one. And her little sister screams about that because she wants a better car or more cars. And what does the boy say? But mom, I shared. So Boaz is going to show us not just that letter of the law keeping. As we look, what's the first thing you see that he does that indicates he's going above and beyond the letter of the law? As he reflects Yahweh. Yeah. So he has concern for who she is. He notices her. Yep. 
Yeah, he notices her. He's the mighty man from Bethlehem, and he notices her reaping. He does make sure she has water. Think about that situation there. Who normally would go draw water? I mean, what's the normal order of things in Israel? Yeah, the woman might dry the water for the men. What happens here? The men have drawn for for Ruth, the Moabitess. Yeah, surely going above and beyond what the call of duty was. How about his protection of Ruth? Do you notice anything there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and keep close to my young women. Yeah. And the idea is that he's bringing her into his family of reapers almost. It's like she's, she's not exactly family, but it's like she's family. It's how he's treating her. Certainly above and beyond what the law requires. Um, and by the way, if you want to look up what the law requires, Deuteronomy twenty four, nineteen, just out of, just to show you, this is one section, one area. There's some in Leviticus and other places, but twenty four nineteen of Deuteronomy says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that Yahweh your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And in other places it says not to glean the edges of your field so that the widow and the sojourner and the fatherless can come and get, get, gather food. Um, and by the way, a sheaf, because it will come into play later, a sheaf is basically a pile of, they go in and they grab the grain and they harvest it and they pile it up into these sheafs and then then they get bundled and taken to the threshing floor. So a sheaf is a pile of harvested grain, just for reference. But we're going to come back to that. Um, so why why do we see Boaz's kindness? And the reason why I ask why is because Ruth asks why in verse 10. But we're going to see... As Yahweh, as Yahweh is reflected in Boaz because of, by his keeping of the spirit of the law, caring for the widow, for the sojourner, Boaz responds with kindness to the humility of Ruth. And so let's go to verse 10 and see Ruth's question, why? And we'll also see Ruth's humility again. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? So not only is she bowing, it's a very humble position to take, but she's recognizing there's nothing of her own that she takes to Boaz to say, you owe me, Boaz. Where does it say that she recognizes what she's done as good and deserves something from it? Does anything she do indicate that? Does anything she do? <laughs> does anything she does indicate that she thinks she's due 
she doesn't even know who he is. She doesn't know he's a near relative, so yeah. this is totally on me. Yeah, she doesn't know who Boaz is. Yep. Yeah, nothing she does indicates that she has that attitude of, I did something good, give, give me my due. So as we consider Boaz as the one who reflects Yahweh in his, in his law keeping, we look at Boaz as he responds with kindness to the humility of Ruth. So Boaz here answers her in verse 11 and goes into verse 12 with a blessing. But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. <clears throat> And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Yahweh repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So what is Boaz saying that Ruth has done that has captured his, his favor, his desire to give favor? There are at least two things. Yeah, she left her land, her father and her mother, to come under the wing of Yahweh. Yeah. What else? Yeah, all that she has done for Naomi has been fully told to him. So as Boaz blesses Ruth, after she asks why, Boaz tells her why and gives her a blessing. And by the way, what kind of a blessing is this? How full of a blessing does this look like? Is it a, hopefully you have a nice dinner tonight and sleep well blessing? Can you tell from the verse? Repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by Yahweh. The fullness of the reward of Yahweh. That's a pretty impressive blessing. And and Ruth expresses in thirteen that she understands this blessing as a great blessing. So she's already bowed in gratitude, recognizing she doesn't oh he doesn't owe her anything and she can't understand why he's being so nice to her. Now she says, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. The servant and not one of your servants thing indicates again her utter lack of saying, I'm a good person, therefore I deserve good things. She says, you've You've spoken kindly to your bond servant or your your uh, slave woman, even though I'm not even of the status of one of your maid servants. So she's recognizing this is a great great blessing that's totally undeserved by her. And then we see Boaz supplying things in abundance as we go into verse 14. And what do you think about this mealtime? Scene, is there a? What are some indicators that this is? Um, what are some odd things about this? Considering Boaz 
the Israelite and Ruth the Moabitess. What are some odd things about this dinner scene? And we've covered a lot of this before already, so... Boaz says to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate till she was satisfied, and she had some left over. She was welcomed into their fellowship yeah. and, and to break bread with them, which is very intimate that people were invited to have dinner with when especially in their culture was very big deal. Yeah. Her communing with them in that way was a big deal, especially as a Moabite woman, too. Yeah. So there's an abundance of dinner supplied. We see leftover, too. She gets leftover, which she later takes home to Naomi. What about the barley that Boaz supplies to her? What's, do you, what's so unusual about the amount of barley that, what did Boaz do that's so unusual about, about, about a law-keeping Jew who owns a field, who wants to protect the widow and the sojourner. What does Boaz do that's even greater than what a law-keeping Jew might do? He doesn't just let her glean from the field. She, he says to his reapers, you have these bundles of grain, pull some out and drop it on the ground so she can glean. He also tells them to let her reap among among the uh, stalks or among the uh, sheaves. And typically this this wouldn't happen with with there's a concern on the one hand of maybe an unscrupulous gleaner coming along and just, you know, taking out of this pile of the sheaves and gleaning that, but there's also uh, if reapers reap and they pile these things in piles, they, there may be droppings that they would pick up for bundling. And Boaz is saying to her, go, go ahead, glean. He's, he's not talking to her, but he's, he's allowing her to go among the sheaves and glean, but he's also telling his reapers, leave some gleanings behind for her. And do not rebuke her or reproach her. And we see Boaz's protection the abundance of protection that he gives her. Early on, he tells his young men not to touch her, not to abuse her. Now he tells his young men not to reproach her and not to rebuke her. And think about that. What about the blessing that he gives Ruth connects to this idea of protection? If you look at verse 12, the end of verse 12 there, it's a beautiful picture. Yeah, yeah, like a, a chick under the wings of a hen. And Boaz is reflecting that as he shelters her from abuse. As a Moabite woman, it could have been physical abuse or it could have been verbal abuse. but And also reproach for going among the sheaves and gleaning, which wasn't a typical activity that's allowed to people. So, Ruth... Humble Ruth meets Boaz. Boaz, the one who reflects the character of Yahweh. And then Boaz responds with favor to Ruth as the humble 
faithful servant of God she is. And in this abundance, what is this? Is this is this the blessing that Boaz bless, blesses her with? And the next point is a hint of abundant favor to come. So we see Boaz giving her a, an amazing abundance of food. But remember the blessing he gives her, the full reward. Do you suppose this is it? That is the reward, or not? Yeah. yeah. And we see the author telling us here at the beginning, with Boaz is a relative of Elimelech twice, and then later Naomi tells Ruth that he's a redeemer. There is something going on here. It's a foreshadowing. Why isn't the book of Ruth over at this point? Out of curiosity, that that connects, and I'd like to. Th- Look look at who this chapter is about as you look at verse 1 and verse, verse 22 there. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is about Boaz, yeah. Who would you say the principal subject might be as far as what the what chap how chapter two relates to the whole book? And I was thinking if you look at the first verse, if you look at the beginning of the book and the end of the book, what's the name? You, chapter two. Thank you. <laughs> Whose name shows up first and last in this chapter, or shall we call it this section? They weren't chapters, but the second word is Naomi, right? She's the first one acting there, or the first subject. And then the last subject is Naomi speaking. And I, yeah, Boaz's name is in 23, I see there, but I'm sorry. I should have been more clear. This is about... Naomi ultimately, as we, we'll see as we go through the book. In chapter four, when the child's born, whose son is he? Does anyone know? Has anyone read ahead? Whose son? Naomi's son. Naomi's son, yeah. Yeah. Now think of the, uh, benefits reaped here. As, as you consider, as you consider the, immeasurable kindness supplied by Boaz to an unworthy Moabite. We can consider how their offspring, the greater David, humbled himself to the point of death for for Ruth, the cursed Moabite. Barren women, children, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you go to Genesis 12, that's, that's great. So, speaking of Abraham, you look at what Boaz says about why he responds with blessing to Ruth. And Genesis 12, where God calls Abraham out of his land to leave his family to go to the land that I will show you. 
the language is very similar. That's a great point. Thanks. So think of the Bible's pattern of humiliation and exaltation and and at the at the at the pinnacle of what redemptive history is showing us is that there will be a humble servant who is exalted. But not only is he exalted, he bears a curse and is exalted and bestows favor upon all those who come humbly to him in faith. It's pretty cool. It is that he would lower himself to redeem people who are in bondage to sin and die for them is great. The Samaritan woman? Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah, if no... I need to remember to reply or to speak back to the back there. But that's very good. As we see, closing in the first chapter, Naomi is saying, Yahweh is arrayed against me. Calamity is upon me. I'm empty, and she's a bitter, empty woman. And what we see here counters that. It shows us exactly the opposite, that Yahweh is for his people. Ultimately. Thank you. Any questions or comments? I had a, an interesting text. I thought if nobody had questions or comments, I could just... First Peter 5 is cool to look about and think about in terms of, of um, humility. First Peter, Peter 5, um, verse 5 starting. Huh. Let's just start from verse 1. Well, let's start in verse 19. Boy, we got to start somewhere. We'll just go to 5, but I'd encourage you to read the whole book. How about? <laughs> Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good in verse 19, etc. It's very good stuff. But in verse 5, likewise you, likewise speaking about, uh, previously I'd spoken about the elders, likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders. 
Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. I thought this was a neat section that just showed kind of the humility of Ruth and kind of connected connected everything together. The being subject to the elders, clothed with humility, God giving grace to the humble. Um, at the proper time, he will exalt you. We'll see Ruth brought out of her misery, but we see hints of that in this chapter. And he cares for you, so lay all your anxieties on him as she goes out to glean. Any other questions or comments? That is how we are to be as the one who we follow. And yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, it's interesting as she, as they sit down to eat and, and they're eating there, um, Boaz pastors her the grain, she's full, she gets all she needs, she has leftover, and then she gets up to go glean, and it looks like she's left to go glean again, work, 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 you know, working hard to get as much as she could, and Boaz, in that time, is that's when he's speaking to the reapers without her present. But it's interesting to see that she does have that mindset of just trusting God to provide and rolling up her sleeves and going to work. Yeah. Speaking of that, in Ephah, by the way, it's kind of... In, uh, how long do we want to go if we're done early? <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted to just share the ephah since I forgot when I went through this. So when she gleaned and Boaz had told the guys to drop stuff so she could get extra stuff, um, an ephah of barley is kind of hard to say what it is, but it's about as much as you could carry in a basket. And if you can imagine a five-gallon bucket of paint, it's about that five gallons of barley. So probably enough food for two weeks, an abundant supply of food for Naomi and Ruth. So... Anyway, I forgot to say that one during the lesson. But. Yeah, I read that it was about a bushel or a bushel and a half, which would have fed two of them for a week or so. Yeah. yeah. She had a good work ethic. She didn't sit on her behind and expect somebody just to get her. And that's why she, Boaz noticed her because of her exemplary attitude and work and her faith. So, All right, let's, Charlie. Self-empowering left over 
Yeah. Well, the man is an interesting thing, too. He gives them as much as they need. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they just... They don't need their leftovers in order to survive because they're always going to have provided for them, right? Yeah. Hmm. All right, well, let's close with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy toward us who do not deserve your your grace. And we thank you for Christ who came to humiliate himself that he might bring us to you. And we pray that we would go forward uh, today as we worship you and do so in spirit and in truth. In Christ's name, amen.